Hi, and welcome to our latest episode of the Room and Room podcasts. My name's Charlotte Westwood. I'm a veterinarian and nutritionist based with the PG Arts and Seeds team here in Lincoln and Canterbury in New Zealand. So look, in this, our latest episode, I'm going to be joined by two very special guests and special people, Mark and Courtney Harris. So I'd like to welcome you both to this podcast, guys, from your dining room table at home. Thanks, Charlotte. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is going to be just be a bit of a chat about, about you guys and some stuff you've been doing for, with us. So really awesome to have you both taking part in this uh, podcast today, because as we, the listeners are going to find out, you run very busy lives at your place. So... Essentially, what we're going to be chatting about with Mark and Courtney today is some really cool work they've been doing looking at the response of lactating dairy cows to different types of summer forages. And this is up in the North Waikato that Mark and Courtney will be able to tell us all about. And just stepping us through what what you've done for the last four summers, looking at how your cows have responded and what that's meant for things like milk quality with cows grazing either chicory or a range of different forage brassicas. But before we get into that sort of detail, I'd love to hear from you both just all about you guys. Like, how long have you been the A-team together, um, your family that you sort of wrap into your busy, busy world, and where you're based nowadays? Yeah, where we're based these days, we are, um, we've got the lease farm at Huntley, um, where all the trial work takes place. Um, currently, we're on another farm in Arapuni, South Waikato, so we get to look over both ends of the Waikato, which is quite cool. So, uh, Courtney, you are telling me the other day it's an hour and 20 minutes drive between the two properties. You'll be wearing out the new Waikato Expressway to and throwing. <laughs> yeah, Mark gets to do that a bit more than me. Um, yeah. You enjoy that, Mark? Yeah, we're pretty lucky, really. We've got a pretty good, capable guy in there, so mm-hmm. he's on contract milker, so... Yeah, it makes a pretty big difference, eh? Mm, oh, absolutely. It's a make or break, really. Mm. Mm. Yeah, good good people is where it's at, isn't it? Yes. So your your business overall, uh, Wagon Wheel Dairy Limited, is that, or Dairies, I better get that right, yeah. hey? Um, yeah. Where, where did you start from in the industry? Because you're amazing achievers and you've achieved a whole lot for running young families as well. So how have you stepped through from a progression point of view to reach where you're at nowadays? Yeah, pretty much led from um, always milking cows, really, eh? around school, and then you just climbed the ladder, I suppose, as quick as we could, was the, was the game plan. Our first year milking job was 200 cows in um, Te Aumudu, and that was a pretty hard few years, actually, just with payout and whatnot, but we got through and, yeah, got the job at Huntley and led from there, yeah. really. Ended yeah. up taking on a second job that popped up, and, yeah, that helped a lot, too, and that went really well, so... Yeah, led us to this. Mm. Yeah, no, we're both pretty pretty passionate about um, yeah animals and growing feed. Mm. <laughs> yeah, farming just just suits us. It's something that um, is forever changing and evolving, and it's something quite exciting um, to be in amongst. So yeah, I after school went and studied for three years down at Massey, um, while Mark continued farming and. Uh, I think you obtained a manager role by the time I finished uni. Yeah, and I was going a, back now. Yeah, did a few years' work and oh. then got pregnant and that pretty much timed in with our second year share milking, I believe. So, yeah, went from on the road to helping out in the calf and the cow sheds and um, haven't looked back, really. Mm. Yeah, I congratulate you both on what you've achieved in, in a relatively short period of time. So how many cows up at Huntley and how many cows at where you are now, first season at Arapuni? 
Um, at Huntley, we carved down about 4.20 to 4.30-odd. Yeah, peak milk around that, 4.10 to 4.20. And Arapunia's first year will be, we're carving 3.40. We're leasing 15 hectares, so we could, yeah, we'll probably lose that some stage soon. So targets, yeah, the 300 cow farm here. Absolutely. All, all spring carving or a bit of mix it up with a bit of autumn in there too? Yeah, at Huntley we've sort of played around a little bit, I suppose. Um, we started there at all spring and then we milked through the winter one year just with a few carryovers and then ended up buying a few autumn carvers and did a bit of autumn carving there too, just to give it a go really. But we're sort of going back to spring now just for simplicity really. Mm, particularly yeah. with the contract milker now running things there. Um, yeah. yeah, trying to look after him and, and keep things um, really uncomplicated for him because we're very yeah. good at overcomplicating things. Yeah, oh, it's good to try. And I feel like especially having the feed pad there, like we're, we're sort of able to do it. So, mm. And it helped being able to retain stock for the second, for this job as well, rather than having to just go and buy another hole in mm. calf spring carving 350 cows. And it suited so. our how pasture growth there because mm. we can have phenomenal autumns and yeah. winters um yeah, yeah. autumns can yeah kick our springs sometimes there it's pretty crazy yeah or well, our winters which end up being our autumns yeah it's mm. all over the show the last <laughs> few years but it has been, it has been yeah. variable hasn't it no you've you've mm. farmed so well through such changeable times absolutely well, I mean, I've I've known particularly you, Courtney, for for a good number of years, and we lost touch for a while, I guess, through that busy time when you're in Tiamuto, and and then we must have reconnected somehow, and and somewhere in the conversation, you you dropped into the the conversational mix that you had two vats side by side <laughs> in the dairy at Huntley, and that sort of started a, a little bit of a journey over the last five years. Perhaps you wish you'd never mentioned you had twin vats. So I'm, I'm not too sure, but that sort of led into the opportunity to say, what if we were able to split your herds and feed them different stuff into those twin vats. And, and it sort of went from there as an opportunity, although I seem to remember it was rather busy at that stage. I think you were pregnant with your third child and somehow you rolled it all together and, and coerced Mark into having a go at the split herd scenario. Tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting that first call, Charlotte. Um, I think I didn't actually have the two older kids on me um, because I was actually on my way into town. I was pregnant with my third child and um, was due to get some blood tests. <laughs> remember that call. But, you know, it was busy times. Um, I think we were, I think we just signed up our second share milking job as well. And so I was quite excited about the trial work and the idea of, of yeah, switching it up basically and, and, and why not giving something else a go you know it keeps things interesting and but it keeps you ahead of the ball game too in the way of actually practically seeing and experimenting with those different crop types and, and seeing how that works for you in your area but yeah I knew I was up against a bit of a hard, <laughs> hard barrier I know uh, at that stage Mark was a very strong chicory supporter um, and so it yeah it did take a bit of weaseling around and um mm. And buttering up. <laughs> um, yeah, I think particularly with the timing around having the two farms rather than the one. Um, and so, yeah, well, I managed to win you over somehow. <laughs> maybe maybe with some, some um, cheap crop seed. Um, <laughs> now the truth comes out. Yeah. But, but I mean, sincere thanks for both of you um, working around that busy time to, to get the first year of the trial done and dusted back in uh, spring planted summer crops 2019 and the, the first year of a trial was underway in, in January of 
2020, right right before the world went a bit crazy with lockdown. But obviously, every year you've, with a great deal of humour and, and understanding, given things a slightly different go each year, we've gone through, we've, we've mixed that up. And first, I suppose we have to mention that as Fonterra supplies at the Huntley property, we couldn't have done this without Fonterra because uh, Gavin Scott and the transport team there, again, just asked them very kindly if they might be interested in looking over our shoulder at this and they arranged to uh, to pick up those vats separately with the milk mm. coming from each of your two herds, collect samples for us. And because of that, we've got a huge data set now looking at per cow performance and milk quality and aspects around milk, including fatty acid composition and that, that we simply wouldn't have been able to do without Fonterra. So Gavin Scott's a, a good man and his team there. Obviously, in the first year, you did herd test. That was a really important process. And I thank you both for doing that herd testing because we were able to validate the per cow information coming from the individual cow with the split vat data. Look, we'll always be really grateful you took that leap of faith to try split herds on, on different types of crops. And we're super stoked um, that you're continuing to do this work with us. But I, I'll, I'll quickly back up the bus for listeners and saying, where the hell did all this come from? And why did I ring Courtney on that fateful day to ask about the split vat work? <laughs> it all came from a, an ex-colleague of mine, PGG Rights and Seeds, called Kyle Gardine. Kyle, unfortunately, isn't part of our team anymore, but nicknamed Turnip Boy, it was always going to come from Kyle to have some hair-raised scheme um, to look at different forages. But it sort of came back to probably six years ago that Kyle and others in our team were aware of general chit-chat around the traps that perhaps feeding turnips was associated with a change in the quality of milk, specifically a new Fonterra measure they'd just introduced back in the day called the Fat Evaluation Index, or the FEI. And chatter was that maybe feeding turnips increased the FEI, particularly when cows are transitioning onto turnips. So bizarrely, Courtney and, um, and Mark, the whole idea of this was initially just to look at the FEI. And then when you came on board so ably and generously, we thought we might as well wrap more information around this and do crop yields and milk, individual cow milk responses and look at cow body condition score and a whole range of things. But yeah, it's a shout out to Kyle Gartine for starting us on this madcap journey. So when you're having a bad day, Courtney and Mark, you can just, I'll give him your num- his number and you can ring up and blame <laughs> him for starting us all on this, on this journey. But um, the FEI, probably about half of our listeners nowadays are outside of New Zealand, offshore listeners. And so we'll just quickly explain the FEI and then come back to you guys. But the FEI is a measure of medium chain fatty acids in milk that Fonterra have got concerns about, particularly when you feed palm kernel extract PKE at higher rates, that increases levels of medium chain fatty acids. So the theory around this work was just to see whether turnips did in fact elevate the FEI. So we'll come come back to that shortly. But tell us some of the logistical challenges, just in case any listeners want to uh, be conned by Charlotte Westwood or someone to do split herd work. Like Some of the logistics, like how did you get on with managing that split herds and where did it start from when you first started grazing chicory in early December of that first year and subsequent years? Were the cows all in one herd? When did you split them? All that sort of stuff, Mark? Yeah, uh, it's not too bad in Huntley there because we always run a split herd carving system um, because of having the feed pad. We've only got enough room on the feed pad to fit up to 300 cows. So we had already sort of had our systems in place with the two herds and it actually works really well once you do get it done because then, say, cows are standing on the yard for half the amount of time because you just work around the second herd coming in when it's good for them to go pretty much. So the biggest change was, um, like, for the trial, we mixed all the cows up. So usually our second herd, we just have our heifers and three-year-olds or 
our nurse cases or just gals that we want to, yeah, sort of get get Look the pick of the pad and stuff really. Mm. So, so yeah, with the trial we had to mix them all up, which is yeah quite cool to see the the differences on the herds on the crops. Yeah, so I think yeah the first the first year we just did the chicory and turnips, and we actually had enough chicory to feed all of the cows, which like when the when the chicory was growing well, but when it starts getting a bit drier, it pulls back, and it was good being able to pull a herd off and put them onto turnips because then you could give the chicory herd twice as much area to get that four kilos into them. So mm, it worked really good. Yeah, really worked, yeah, it worked really well that yeah. way. Mm. Yeah, I was actually yeah. One wasn't better than the other. No, nah, they worked really well together that year with how with how we managed it. I thought yeah, just because chicory is awesome, how you can jump on in December and just keep that quality going through because that's when most guys' grass can sort of start beginning to stalk and stuff. So even if you got lots of grass, you, you cut some, you cut silage and you graze your, your good quality crop. But then it can get a bit dry and then the chicory is not quite there the same in the way of kilos like the turnips are because they were grown early and they're sitting there ready to go. So, mm. yeah, we were able to feed the cows real well through that summer. Mm. And we were that impressed with that system that we mimicked that uh, on our second yeah, farm Yeah, we actually well. did that on the second farm, yeah, mm. with nothing to do with the trials. Yeah, we took that. And actually took it over yeah, mm. to the other farm. Oh, that's mm. that's um, awesome, guys. So split herds, so young cows in both herds, that worked okay? I was always a bit part of the discussions when we first started talking because I know most people will treasure their younger and lighter cows in one herd and a bit of preferential feeding. Do you think the heifers did any better or worse as a result of that? Or are you still by choice go back to young herd management? Um, the main reason I sort of went to young herd management is because I usually put them on once a day. And it yep. just takes pressure off the system in the way of afternoon milkings. And and I don't think there's a huge production loss for the gain that you get out of your young stock. But having them mixed in with the with the herd, it was still, yeah, like, they handled it pretty well, though. I think we were we were quite worried to yeah, start yeah. with. Yeah, I was, that quite was nervous because we so main, separated them. Yeah, that was our main concern, that we were going to mm. disadvantage ourselves too much by, by um, yeah, having our, mm. our young younger animals in the herd fall behind condition-wise, but it actually wasn't as bad as what we were expecting. No. But year to year too, you know, like if it's a harder year, I think you'll see more of a difference. Yeah. Um, but all in all, you know, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Well, I think even split herd alone is going to help competition-wise, eh? Sure. Like if all the herd was together, then you might see a bit more of a bottom line in your young girls. But, yeah, no, it used to go pretty well. That's awesome. So each year, you just re-randomised the cows, just just split them again. Yep. There was no uh, carryover. Cows yeah. just, just went one way or the other. Same cows didn't go through each year. Yeah, I was pretty much just draft, just drafting in the shed, and while we got coloured birth IDs for the different years, pretty much, so I was just trying to get the age bracket roughly right. And when you're milking, milking, when so. you're with them so often too, you know them pretty of course. well. Yeah. You'd, <laughs> you just got up there and did it, and, and have a look over and maybe swap around a few in the, the next day just to be really mm. sure, but yeah. So four years on, uh, that first year it was Punatu chicory and, and um, Barkant turnips, I think, followed by a later maturing clean crop turnip. What's the change in brassicas that you've used over the years? Because that first system went pretty well. And first it was Kyle Gardine helping you out, followed by Sam Wiltshire from PGW Seeds in the last couple of years. What have you changed with the brassica yeah. system from year to year? Yes, yeah, so the first two, two seasons were... 
basically turnips and chicory, and so they were well, they were quite similar. Um, and then, the second year the toto. Yeah, second year was toto clean crop turnip. That had just come to the market, so it was to mix it up over the older Barkant year. Yep. And yeah, definitely weed management in that in the clean crop is awesome, mate. Eh? Like that that Tellab pre-emerges does a pretty awesome job. Mm. Always had real clean, real clean um, brassica crops with that. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we've started off with turnips and chicory, and so we've had chicory going, and then basically split the herd. <laughs> kind of feels like the middle of summer to to <laughs> to go on to um, turnips and chicory at the same time. Mm. But what we've moved into more now is is almost chicory and brassica running running together Sorry, almost yeah. um so we had the introduction of kale as well as the turnips in the third year and mm. then last year we had raffno join the team so you raffno turnips and kale yeah which is i'm, I'm keen <laughs> to see to how it really can work because it was such a hard year yes. for summer crops especially brassicas um got pretty nailed with the wet but in saying that the chicory didn't exactly perform well in the wet either so Unless you, well, I planted it, actually there was a clay paddock at the back, which I'm usually pretty scared about planting crops on, and it ended up being my best chicory crop, because it was, yeah, just not so wet, you know, was so, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a, a direct drill job too. Mm. Like the Waikato had such a wet year, mm. and then, then your kale tipped over with Cyclone Gabriel, obviously you guys missed the worst of the rain, sadly the East Coast got, but didn't it blow? Mm, yeah. A lot of, lot of crops are on the ground, and yeah. maize and, and everything. Well, that was a hard thing. Like we had a good start with the crops. Like the the rathno jumped out of the ground, mm. was looking awesome. But I just don't think the roots went down because there's no need for moisture. Like it was mm. just so wet. So cows pulled everything out. Yeah, to see yeah, lots of pulling, and then obviously yeah, a lot of weeds after the pulling because it opens everything up, I suppose. Mm. And yeah, it was just just a hard season, but. Oh, it was so different. We had grass, which was cool. Mm. Well, every year's been yeah. been different, isn't yeah. it? Like it's it's been one good thing actually going back over the data is to remind yourself how different each summer was because as time goes on, you know, farming every day it just all kind of lumps together. The past, but mm. you know, you remember the, the year and the year before that. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. Rain. I mean, it was so dry in the first year of your work, and then and then so wet. In the fourth mm. year, it's, it's just showing up in crop yields. I mean, chicory did about seven and a half tonne uh, in that first drought year. Obviously, mm-hmm. it just the tap turned off with, with lack of rain, and yet chicory did really well last mm. summer, obviously, even though it had very wet feet, as you say, mm. Mark, and, and didn't do so well. So, yeah, your, your combination of, of feeding split herds, either brassica or chicory, seems to split risk, doesn't it, as you mm. say? Oh, yeah, that's that's been the cool thing to see is, you know, like while... while you know, <laughs> you've got a whole range of crops there and the conditions are different each year. You know, every year there's almost a different champion, isn't there? You know, some something will thrive and, and another crop, you know, will struggle. Um, but, yeah, last year was very, very different and not what you'd expect in, in any summer, I suppose. Even with paddock selection, like if you've got a farm that's got multiple soil types, mm. scattering them out over the platform works well too because... Some years are better for others on the on the wetter soils, and some years are better than others on the dry stuff. So, mm, and that's been a bit of a, a saviour in ways yeah. too. You know, like that's not usually the case, but last year we had our turnips and probably some of our drier country, mm. um, which worked for us last year. But we were pretty. I was nervous, nervous about, about it. planting this one particular paddock in turnips, but I was like, oh, I should be pretty right because it's well, it was going to be our first grazing, so it should be off early. But it was the best turnip crop because it was the driest paddock in mm. all the paddocks. So. Yeah, turnips really 
Yeah, we actually had a really good turnip crop. Yeah. yeah. Mm. The only thing was maybe a bit of, bit of rot towards the end, but that's because of all the rain we had, you know, mm. fracturing the bulbs and getting in the top. Mm. So, But kale was gutting, eh? Because the, the third year was our first year planting kale, and it struggled. It, I think it came through slowly. We had some weed issues. We had some insect issues. And so it was it was a you know, fairly average-looking crop. And then come last year, looked amazing, incredible, and it held on all the way through summer. And then um, insects just towards the end, we sprayed it, and then Cyclone Gabrielle just just closed the book on us. <laughs> Poor old girl. Took the yeah. maze and the crop. Yeah. yeah, it was quite disheartening. So in terms of order of grazing, so you graze the peloton first, then where did you go after the peloton first grazing? Peloton, that's right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so we, yeah. So we whacked, we whacked over the um, the rafno and then got into our turnips, and we didn't finish our turnips when the rafno was due to be grazed again. So we just jumped straight back to the rafno, didn't have over it. Um, it was a quicker grazing because of we obviously pulled a bit out the first time, but whacked over that and went straight back to finish the turnips. And then from there into the kale. So, yeah. So the brassica herd just kept on going and, and no transitioning yes. required or anything, no gut transitioning required, just went brassica to brassica to brassica? No. no. Yeah. And that would have been the make or break, you know, like if you had to adjust cows onto a new crop and allow for that adjustment time and, you know, lower kilos, then it, then it wouldn't work. But because it is all brassica, it's, it's smooth sailing. It's just straight from one to the other. Mm. Mm. Oh, too easy, eh? So um, yeah. I think you ended up like grazing brassicas non-stop the brassica herd for 85 days. It's oh, a long wow. time on brassicas, eh? Mm. Yeah, it was, yeah. Mm. But yeah, you can definitely see how it would work in a dry season, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So rumour has it you've done some crop planning just last week with Sam Wiltshire. Are you going again for fifth year? <laughs> <laughs> Suckers for punishment, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny because you know you can look at it in the way of it's a, it's a bit of extra work but it's actually a real um pleasure would you say mark to to do it because it is mm. so interesting um year to year how the conditions will differ and how the different crops will go and introducing different crops and you know we talk about turnips and having done turnips um from the start but the different types of turnips and bringing in the clean crop and and you know seeing how that goes like it's it's just been so interesting, and um, I don't know, I, I feel like we, we get a lot out of it. Mm. Mm. No, it's pretty good. Oh, it's great to hear. <laughs> um, so you're, you're, you're changing around a few things this year. Um, I was talking to Sam last week, and you're going to go with a new chicory called Seeker Chicory. It's, it's a new one, and, and at Arapuni too, I hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think we're changing up the kale too, possibly going for something that's a bit more palatable. Um, what was it, the new bag? Not Firefly, the other one. It's called Sarge. Sarge. So, yeah, I think we were going to give that a crack too. It's a shorter, um, soft stem one. So, yeah. hopefully, the utilisation should be good with the girls in late summer, yeah. uh, early autumn, whenever you eat it. And then, and then mm. the whole lot's going to be clean crop, which will be tidy for weeds, eh? Clean crop, mm. Rafno, clean crop, Toto, then clean crop, Sarge. So, it'll be really cool mm. to see how the cows go on that, and depending on what season we have, it's looking rather dry at the moment in terms of predictions for 23, 24 summer, isn't it? Well, after last year, I don't think we'd mind a drought. (laughs) (laughs) Careful what you wish for, Courtney. Oh, my goodness. But I suppose, you know, going going back to Kyle Gardine and and posing that million-dollar question that started all of this, so again, do blame him any time you feel like Courtney, Um, (laughs) The question around the fat evaluation index and 
because the Fonterra tanker drivers kindly picked up different, you know, samples from each fat, we we're able to look at everything from fat protein, protein fat ratio, lactose, casein, true protein, milk urea. I mean, everything that Fonterra suppliers get on their docket, we got from this the split vats, and that's enabled us to generate a huge number of graphs. It's quite mind-boggling. And, of course, one of the things that we were able to look at through all four seasons was the fat evalu- evaluation index. And interestingly, the initial question was that do cows spike when they're first transitioning onto brassicas in the summer in, in terms of milk FEI? And really interesting that they didn't spike with your herd, and I think a lot of the theory around that is if we transition a little bit too quickly, that might spike the FEI by dropping rumen pH, sort of another story another day. Yours just cruised along flatline. But what we did see, hey, with the, the graphs that you guys have seen is that the baseline of the FEI is definitely slightly higher mm. uh, on brassicas than it is on chicory. So we're not entirely sure why that's happening. It might just be slightly different rumen fermentation happening. Um, but fortunately for you guys, because that was probably your other nervousness <laughs> in the first year, was that you haven't graded at any stage. You haven't hit that magic number nine tips us into grading. So it is one of the take-homes from the work. And look, we will release a lot of this information with time. But the FEI is slightly higher. But you transition very well as evidence of transitioning well onto turnips carefully and gently because you didn't spike. Because if you do spike with FEI and then it settles down again, after you're on turnips, which is just maybe you transitioned a bit too quick. But apart from the FEI, there wasn't a lot of difference in milk composition. Jumped around from year to year. Overall production in a couple of years, probably the per cow production of chicory was a little bit better for two years out of four, and then for two years there wasn't a lot of difference. So I think it's more of an agronomic gamble, isn't right. it, in terms of getting the feed when you need it mm. than necessarily one is going to massively increase per cow response versus the other. Mm. Might be a slight advantage to chicory. Uh, and I'm just trying to think the other milk stuff. Oh, the milk urea was lower on turnips. But then when you think about some of the feed testing we did, particularly in the first three years of this work, your chicory protein levels were as high as 25 26% crude protein. Mm. And your brassicas obviously were more like mid-teens, so... The main thing is even though milk, milk urea was so low in that first year, you were only feeding about four kilos of grass with a drought year and mm. milk urea you know, were, were bubbling around down about the 10, um, 10 mark and a lot of people say you should have fed, fed a protein source but the cows still produce really well, so go figure. So that's Huntley. Are you going to do brassicas and chicory or just chicory at Arapuni at your new place? <laughs> We're still giving it a lot more summer safe. Yeah, we're really, really tossing out. Um, If you'd asked me before I'd done the trial, I would have said, oh, chicory, I'm not going to plant turnips. But yeah, we're really, yeah, we've sort of planned to do chicory now, but now we're like, should we do brassica? There's nothing in it milk wise. Mm. So. It's an agronomic decision, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, we're really on the fence, but I think mm. what's holding us back at the moment is we would we would love to see Rafno on a dry season before we fully commit. I think. Hey. Yeah, if we want to start a brassica system by feeding early, mm. yeah, 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 and it, it all depends on where your farm is too. Mm. Mm. No, I've um, like yeah, if we get the rains. Oh, yes, yes, so hard to know. I just plan for a dry, I suppose. So, <laughs> yeah. I think that's all you can do, eh? As, as you know, they say the average season here is a, is a drought, so you plan mm. plan for that. And um, hopefully it means if it's not, you've got extra feed to burn, whether that's, you know, to make silage with mm. or use in other ways. 
So, yeah, not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up. Spray up in like a week. <laughs> Are there any other like take homes from this work that we've missed? Because I mean, you've you've really painted a a pretty cool picture about experimentation and really trying different things, and I, I really commend you both so much for that. I mean, anything else for anyone else out there who traditionally uses chicory and looks to brassicas, or the other way around, they always use brassicas and want to look at chicory. Any any other take homes? I, I know. I know a lot of guys um, have sort of asked me um, what are young cows like on brassicas, and we found them fine. Eh? Mm. We, um, yeah, they, they rip into it just like all the other cows. So mm. I would not plant turnips because you're worried about the young cows getting on them. Mm. They definitely hoe into those. Mm. But yeah, I, I like the brassica system in the way of, you know, like you go with chicory, and chicory is your champion. If it's a good mm. year for chicory, that's great. If it's a bad year, and that's all you've got. Crop wise, you know, like, and it's a lot more area. You take a big a risk, too. yeah. You take a big risk, or well, you've got to have some other backup plan in the way of feed in case it does get, you know, too dry. You've got to have something else to poke in when it gets real dry. Um, whereas the brassica system um, is cool in the way that, yeah, you've, you've got a variety of crops, um, and like on our farm, if you've got a variety of different paddocks and soil types, being able to kind of utilize those to. <laughs> you know, I suppose bring out bring out the best, try and match up the you know the crop that would suit the the better paddock. For instance, Raph, no, we're we're putting over our dry paddocks. Kale, maybe we aim for something a bit more sheltered so it doesn't get blown over. But um, but you know, kale's an advantage too in itself in the way of got options. It can hang on. Yeah. You don't have to get into it. You know, in a particular window like you do with turnips. Um, so there's flexibility there. Yeah, like. A, it's really interesting, eh, seeing that that brassica model. I suppose it's a risk thing, isn't it? How how your brassicas, you're not just relying on one crop to pull you through. You've got your eggs in different baskets, and if the the season works out well for um, you know even one one of those crops, then well, it's, it's more just got options. So if you do get a crack at autumn and you do have grass there, you can you can push your kale forward. We mm-hmm. haven't had to do that yet because we yeah sort of always eating it, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, there are options there. So moving on to the cows themselves, we've talked a lot about the milk response. How do you reckon cow condition was? Because I did go in there and score them start and finish, and it was always interesting. I think we, we both at times have thought that the cows are a bit lighter on, on the brassica crops, but when mm. we've scored them, dropped those numbers into the Dairy NZ um, Body Condition Score app, and it's actually they've come out very similar. So... What what is what's your gut feel say? Because I really trust your gut feel as much as as me scoring them, even though I did my best to score them blind. You know, in other words, not knowing which herd they were. What what was your gut feel? Because numbers are only numbers on a page at the end of the day. Yeah, I know mine was sort of the same. Like I I, I sort of thought the the brassicas, if anything, might have trimmed a little bit more off, but they might have had slightly hairier coats to look at too. Like that doesn't help when you look at a cow, you know, like in a paddock. But going in and scoring them. Uh, yeah, it's good to see what the results do come out because you did yeah a lot of them individually. So mm. yeah. and maybe I, I don't know. Even. I feel like I think the... there's more of a range possibly in the turnips. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. And and when yeah. you look at the distribution, the graphs is distribution is probably a bit more stretch, a few more bottoms yeah. and tops, and and the yeah. chicory ones are a little bit tighter perhaps. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But I feel like the turnip girls always seem happy too, or the brassica girls like being in a smaller herd. Mm. But, yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't know if that would mean much for condition, but they always seem quite happy. That herd. Mm. That's that's true. I mean, we haven't discussed the the numbers of the herds, but but roughly out of your four to four hundred, they've gone. 130 to 150 go to brassicas every year and, and, and 250 to, to chicory. I guess that's just worked in with the crop areas mm. that we didn't want to interfere with. You've just chosen your crop areas every year. But yeah. um, we didn't have even numbers of cows, so everything we've um, looked at with the milk response has come back to per cow response. But it's a good point, Courtney, that there were fewer cows in the turnip and brassica herds each year than, than there was in the chicory herd. So, yeah, mob size might have something to do with it too. Good point. Mm. The areas of the chicory too, though, eh? Like they're getting a pretty reasonable area. Yeah. Yeah, well, we try and we try and aim to to get them all eating four kilos of crop, no matter what what herd they're in. And yeah, sometimes that's that's easy, and sometimes it's it's difficult. Particularly last year with our with our chicory getting it, drowned it's, out. It's harder with the chicory because if it does get dry for a period there, it's not like you can't just go and give them twice the area for a round because then you kind of screw your whole round up. Really, mm. like turnips, you, you can sort of. If you're in a paddock and it's a poorer paddock, you can't up the area and that paddock can slow down in your in your good paddock or, mm. or not. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we didn't mention that either. Four four mm. kilos consumed was the aim, trying to balance it. And the split herds, obviously, whenever you gave them supplements, supplementary feed, they got the, each herd got the same on mm. the feed pattern in the paddock, didn't they? Yep. Mm. Yep. 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 That's awesome. Well, Courtney and Mark, I reckon that's probably a wrap. It's a very generous use of your time to talk to us and, and share your story of the different crop types. On behalf of you know all of our listeners today, just can't thank you enough and hopefully we'll hear from you again with some other innovative stuff that you carry on with as you carry on your business development work into the future. But I hope you have a great day out and about, uh, whatever else is on your agenda, and, uh, and we'll sign off. Awesome. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks, Charlotte. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys, and thanks to the listeners on behalf of myself, Charlotte Westwood, and PGG Rights and Seeds. Hope uh, all our listeners have an awesome day out and about, whatever uh, you guys have got planned. Catch up soon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.